Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, where we teach Christian entrepreneurs how to build a strong foundation of faith, growth, and skill to lead and thrive on purpose in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, certified coaches, Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us for this first historical episode of Thriving on Purpose. I'm putting on a little drama here. It's not really historical. But for (laughs) us, for me and Lizzie, in our lives, it's really, really cool. And it's really, really exciting because we've been working for a couple months easy on bringing you this podcast. And today's first episode is going to be about God's boot camp. Yeah, so what is the definition of a boot camp? Well, a boot camp, obviously, if people are in any way, shape, or form familiar with the army, it's where the recruit soldiers go to be fully ready for real-life combat. So it's basically Mm -hmm. a training that's going to be extremely difficult and demanding but it's on purpose and it's, to, and it's to make them ready for real life combat situations. So that's why it's so demanding. If right. it were easy, when they would get into the real life uh, war situations, they, would, like, they wouldn't survive two minutes. So that's why boot camps are so grueling and demanding and very, very stern. And so why does God put us through boot camps? What is the purpose of God putting Christians through boot camps? Well... I'm going to speak from an entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial point of view here. I think that when God puts a Christian entrepreneur through a boot camp, it's to prepare him or her for what they're about to undertake, what they're about to do, what their mission is going to be uh, with what their vision is, what they're going to build. So it is my belief, and I think it's yours too, Lizzie, that the bigger the mission has for you, chances are the more demanding the boot camp's going to be definitely the bigger the mission the harder the boot camp definitely exactly i like that i like that saying the bigger the mission the harder the boot camp and uh if we go scripturally we can take the example of moses uh moses first started his life of course he was born as a slave but that didn't stay very long that didn't remain very long because uh, right away, his mom put him in that basket, and he was found by Pharaoh's daughter. Mm-hmm. And from a very young age, as a baby, he was raised in and pampered uh, in a palace. So he was a prince in Egypt, and he was raised with all the perks that that can bring. The best food, the best bed, the best education, the best uh, uh, rank position, and respect from his peers and all that. So all that came attached to his position in Egypt. And uh, in Acts uh, chapter 7, in verse 22, it said, it's the uh, Stephen's um, sermon. Uh, Stephen says this, and he says, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds and it's interesting when you read that because um, at, around that age Moses was around 40 years old 
He was at his peak, I guess you could say, in social standing. He was a prince in Egypt. He had been taught from a young age all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And I know as Christians, when we hear that, oh, all the wisdom of the Egyptians. So he's taught in pagan uh, crap. No, no, I don't see it like that. Um, th there was a lot of strong earthly wisdom in the Egyptian writings. If anybody has is familiar with some of them, I've read some of them and that are extra biblical. And you can really definitely see there's some solid foundations of wisdom there. And so basically it was, uh, it was taught in, in, in wisdom and scholarly knowledge. Mm -hmm. So he had extensive knowledge and he was brought up in a, a position of leadership. So he, he knew how to lead people. He, he understood the, the customs. He understood uh, the wisdom of the time, all the highest knowledge available at the time. So he was in a great position. And when he came across uh, the Egyptian who was beating on a Hebrew slave, and he, the story tells us that he killed him, and uh, I think it's the next day or a couple of days later, he met two Hebrews, Hebrew slaves fighting together. Right. And he came to break up the fight and he says, hey, brothers, don't, why are you fighting amongst yourselves? And then he was found out because they basically told him to his face, who put you as a judge over us? And he like, are you going to kill us like you did that Egyptian? And when they said that, he got scared, like big time. He was like, oh boy, I, I didn't hide my crime. Someone saw me. So he got scared and ran off. Right. And he thought, see, that's the special thing is sometimes you think you're ready for a task. Mm -hmm. until God brings you into his boot camp. And that's what's interesting about this is that you would think that God naturally could have just taken him out of that foundation that he um, you know, had learned all these things from uh, his position and bring him directly to you know, delivering the, people. delivering the people because now his eyes are opened up and he's seeing that what the Pharaoh's doing is wrong and all that. But yet God decided he was not ready for the huge mission ahead. And, and this goes back to the, the quote we said earlier, the bigger the mission, the harder the boot camp. Right. Well, Moses' boot camp was not his years of training in Egypt. Mm -hmm. There's just part of his prep for the boot camp. <laughs> because when he ran off, when he ran away, he was 40. When he came back to deliver the people, he was 80. So that was 40 years later. And what was the boot camp made of? Well, it was basically made of taking the man who taught, who, who taught he was ready and breaking him to a, a position in which he would be actually usable by God. So it broke his pride. And I mean, he can't, and he can't throw the stone at Moses for being proud. I mean, come on. If any of us was raised in a palace as a prince in Egypt with all the knowledge that he had, obviously you must be puffed up in some way or another. It must be hard to remain humble. But God needed a humble man to do what he was going to have to do as the deliverer. Right. So he brought him to the, the desert to become a shepherd mm -hmm. for 40 years. And he wasn't even a shepherd in his own business. It wasn't his his own sheep business. He was tending mm -hmm. the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. So he was working for his father-in-law, basically. And for any man, I mean, if men are listening out there, for any man, that's kind of hard. I mean, working for your dad is one thing. 
because you know you're going to inherit the business someday and it's like you're going to you're being groomed to possibly take over someday but working for your father-in-law you're kind of working for someone who built something before you and you have no guarantee it's going to become yours someday so that must have been a humiliating experience for moses and it was so humiliating and i like the passage again we we'll go back to acts uh, 722 where it says that moses was learned and he was mighty in words and deeds and it's interesting because when he was once he was broken after those 40 years and the god appeared to him in the burning bush and he said i'm going to send you over there and you're going to deliver my people one of the first things that moses said who am i that you should send me and and, and he was like i stutter i i, I have this problem i can't speak properly right he felt inadequate he felt completely inadequate so the guy who was mighty in words and deeds mm -hmm. back in egypt all of a sudden was so broken so humiliated after those 40 years that and god was it was part of god's plan and yet he got mad after uh, moses being so hesitant uh, more than once and and then he said who made men's mouths to speak and, and then he, he assigned aaron his brother to speak for him but all this to say that Moses was not the same man once he went back to Egypt as the day he left. I mean, he, right. when he left, he what he felt as from a human standpoint, he felt he was ready. But from God's schooling, from God's boot camp standpoint, he wasn't ready. And that's that's God's boot camp. And also from a leadership uh, perspective. You know, you have these people that have seen him, um, you know, amongst pharaohs. The, the, the trusting factor was not there either. They didn't know who he was. I mean, they knew he was, you know, an Israelite uh, like them from birth. But what they had seen was the contrary. They saw him as an Egyptian for many, many years, right? Yeah. So I think also the, the whole time in the desert and all that that um that that boot camp for those people was also to work their hearts because i think that from a leadership perspective god had to work their hearts to see him as a leader you mm -hmm. have a man that's you're not sure about what god wants to do and he's following god and he's following his steps but he had to grow in that leadership yeah. position to really trust god and not man because he was used to trusting man before yeah and it's an interesting angle you bring because not only was God preparing the leader, mm -hmm. but he was also preparing the people to receive the leader. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's very, very interesting that you say that. Because they did, initially when he was 40, they did see him as this uh, guy who's working for the enemy. Well, because basically yeah, they were oppressed. Minds, they were yeah. oppressed by the Egyptians, right. right? So like, who established you as a judge over us, really? Like, So th that 40 years was necessary for Moses himself, but also for the people. Right. They, they had to welcome him with open arms and they were ready when he came i mean they were ready they were starving for deliverance they not that they weren't before but they weren't ready for him they were ready for deliverance they just weren't ready for it to come from him exactly and i think it's an interesting very interesting point of view and there's a a few quotes that i wanted to share with the audience about um god's boot camp that have to do with god's boot camp how god preps us oftentimes through hardship to prepare us for the mission we're supposed to fulfill or accomplish there's one by alan redpath it says this when god wants to do an impossible task he takes an impossible man and crushes him 
Now, that's definitely what happened to Moses. Yeah. A.W. Tozer. Want to share that one, Lizzie? The one with A.W. Tozer? Yeah. It is doubtful that God can use a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. When I first heard that, I was like, wow. There's a lot of truth when you think about that quote. Yeah, and that sums up a lot of what we Great do. Great men and his, in history that you read their stories. It's Most it's, of them are hurt quote. deeply. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, and it's, it's fascinating. The great lives of great men, like you said. Right. There's always a huge suffering component to it. Mm -hmm. um, Gene Edwards, another good quote. God has a university. It's a small school. Few enroll. Even fewer graduate. So that, those were the quotes I wanted to share with the audience. Uh, basically, God's boot camp, it breaks us. It teaches us, and most of all, it equips us for the task that is set before us. And for Christian entrepreneurs, that can take on a very special meaning. It can, it can mean that if you want to build a Christ-centered, Christ-honoring, or quote-unquote Christian business, it can prepare you for that. But it can also help you, if you're a Christian, to build a secular business that will still honor God. And I think that can be, in some ways, even harder than building a Christian business. Because when you when you build a Christian business, you know you're going to serve the people of God. You uh, That's what you're set out to do. And it's you're, you're very clear on, on what's going to happen. But when you build a secular business in today's world, and I, I have in mind Chick-fil-A, for example, um, the founder was Christian and he built a, a business based on Christian values. And a few years back, when he took a stand, um, I don't remember what it was exactly. I think it was he didn't want to hire homosexuals, or I'm not too sure. But in any way, he became very controversial and the media yeah. uh, ate him up. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I, I, um, I learned a lot from watching the, the integrity and the strength of character of the founders because I was like, ouch, mm -hmm. now that is tough. I mean, standing strong in the midst of such controversy when you're all over the news, all over the media, and just staying true to your convictions, to your Christian convictions. And, and you that, don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if a lot of people are just going to say, I'm not going to go to your restaurant anymore because... I'm pro-gay or, yeah. you know, they just, there's so many views on that, that you really have to stand for your convictions and just pray that God, you know, works it all out for your business. Yeah. And I remember hearing about uh, Truett Cathy, uh, the founder, his, uh, his uh, early years before he founded Chick-fil-A, how much suffering he had to go through his boot camp. Um, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube if you YouTube it, uh, Truth Cathy testimony or Truth Cathy founding story or whatever. Um, so inspiring because uh, it was tough. I mean, he went through the grinder. It was a tough boot camp. And, and it's for most believers, um, when God wants to prepare you for something big, you're going to have to go through that. And uh, I don't know if you, dear listeners, I don't know if you're in your boot camp right now. If you've been out of it for 20 years and you just, as you're listening to us, you're making, you might be recalling those years and, and just smiling. Um, but most of Christian entrepreneurs that I know have been through boot camp. 
And it's always interesting when you listen to that testimony. It's always so encouraging uh, because there's great lessons to be learned there. Great lessons. And sometimes, like in our case, um, what does that look like in the modern world? We talked about Moses, but today in... Um in the modern world in 2012, uh, it was actually in 2012 um, when our journey actually began. We had been working for the government doing um, blue collar positions. Uh, we were working as um, uh, clerks in, uh, in a government position. So it was, you know, hard work and uh, steel toe boots and... <laughs> Anyway, uh, where, it was warehouse setting, warehouse uh, setting, yeah, with cages, dust. <laughs> cages, and lots of dust and um, hard times, you know, working night sh night shifts. Um, <laughs> I was pregnant at the time, and it just it was really really uh, rough, you know. But we all did it because you know you know everybody wants those government positions. You say to yourself, "I'm doing the best for my family. I'm getting good pay." income and uh, benefits benefits and all that pension so, and we're not you know dissing anybody that is doing this kind of position if they're happy doing it then that's great but we were really miserable doing it because um, at the time Sebastian was working very late he was doing like a 3 30 to 11 30 shift and I was working um, some days during the weekend every weekend Saturday and Sunday so there was no time for us to go to church as a family, um, you know, and it was all, like we had to. It wasn't like, oh, I can switch some days. It was I had no choice to go in Saturday and Sunday for full eight hour shifts. So we never had a day where we could actually be together as a family. And at the time we had Jason, he was about three years old and Marissa uh, was going to be born. And uh, when she was born in May of 2012, we said, you know what, this is not a quality of life. Like we can't do this for years and years. And and like, what's the point of having a family if you don't have any time to be together or to even go on a picnic on a Saturday? It just never worked. So we we got on our hands and knees and we started praying to God and saying, um, you know, we we there's got to be something better out there for us. And we had no idea that that was gonna open this journey for us where Sebastian said, I really feel, you know, that we, that I should apply for a job transfer to uh, Prince Edward Island because we thought of, you know, slower paced uh, life, you know, yeah, less traffic. We were like doing an hour and a half of traffic morning and night just to get to our jobs, right? Yeah, and the rat race was really getting to us. I mean, this was an exhausting pace and mm -hmm. the pace itself was exhausting but also when you're, you're stuck in traffic and you, you feel like all you do is you're living to work and yeah. pay bills and you feel like and especially as a Christian when you feel like life has no meaning you wonder like is this why I was born and you know that's not why you were born and then again as a Christian sometimes you believe that you were when you accept Christ that your purpose is to evangelize and evangelize and evangelize some more but once you've gone full circle you're like well there has to be more I yeah mean, and we were evangelizing we were talking to God a lot oh. to people where we were working yeah and God did use us the, the time that we were there but we just knew that 
you know, at one point you look at your life and you see the different things that you've gone through. And I had a, a very different childhood as Sebastian did. And we both went through some hard times and we're like, you, you look at it and you say, there's got to be a reason that God's using, that God made me go through all that. There has to be a purpose, you know. It's not to, you know, put one box from one other to the cage, just, you know, <laughs> like it was a very, you know, mechanical job. And we just knew that there was more to our to our purpose, to our life. And, you know, there's some people that will do this kind of job and it's okay and they like chit-chatting with their friends and and commuting and they they enjoy doing all that but there's other people Christian entrepreneurs that God's intended to do something else for and those are the people that are miserable on those type of jobs yeah. and it's because there's a calling there there's something tugging in your heart telling you there has to be something else out there I just don't know what it is so when we began praying about it and Sebastian um, applied to go to uh, Prince Edward Island, I did too. I never got my job transfer. I never had a position here. So um, I basically lost my position, but Sebastian did get his. So we did move to the island and it was a big ordeal because wow. we had to move in the middle of winter with two young kids. And a dog. And a dog. Uh, Jason was three. Uh, Marissa was eight months old. In the beginning, and, and it was... For, and for American listeners, when we say in the middle of winter, we're not talking South Carolina winter. We're talking <laughs> Canadian winter. Okay? <laughs> yeah, Canadian winter in the end of February. So snow and just nasty weather. We had to drive 12 hours just to get to Prince Edward Island. Um, it was actually funny because every night that we spent in a motel, the kids were like, are we home yet? Are we home yet? <laughs> it was so long to drive that <laughs> they were getting discouraged. We were exhausted. I remember the whole trip was so exhausting. Anyway, so to make a long story short, um, we, we did get to the island. We did buy a house, a house here. And um, not long after, we realized that our problems were following us. So um, Sebastian was working as a mail carrier and he was doing a day, day position, which was better than what we were doing before. And we did have a quality of life in the sense that we had our weekends. So that was uh, a big step for us. But we realized that there was, God was tugging on our hearts and was telling us there's more to it. There's more that why he, there's a reason why he brought us here, right? Yeah, and not only that, but I think we, we are well, when we set out uh, to move, we had a plan. We wanted to improve our finances. Mm -hmm. uh, we wanted, if possible, to have mom stay at home with the young children. And right. you know, the, the typical Christian family, mom stays home. Well, typical, typical twenty years ago, <laughs> mom stays home, dad goes out and works, and and, and then one salary is enough. And since the cost of housing was lower. That, that influenced our decision to move greatly. But there were a lot of things that kind of caught us sideways. Right. Once we moved, after a year and a half, we rebudgeted and, and we realized, you know what? Uh, the budget we had on paper uh, was one thing, but the reality of the cost of living, uh, not that it was much worse than where we were in Quebec before, but let's just say it wasn't much better. And that's the thing that, that kind of hit us because in Quebec, two salaries were needed. Right. And so we were back to that. We we're back to, back to that reality. Like, okay, uh, this didn't quite work out the way we expected. So I was 
I was very disappointed. I mean, I felt like a, a failure. I had dragged my family out of province very far away. And uh, so reality hit me first because I'm the one who administrates the budget. But then I shared the numbers with Lizzie and I, I sat down with her and I said, Lizzie, this is not really working out. You're gonna have to you know, bring in some money. I don't care if it's 200 bucks a month, 300 bucks, 500, 5,000, great. <laughs> but you're, you're gonna have to bring in something uh, so that we can uh, pay our bills a bit better. And that's when, I think that was the moment where the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial journey began. Uh, it began with Lizzie. It didn't, begun, it didn't start with me, it started with my wife. Uh, and she's always been more of the, uh, I guess, the born entrepreneur. I think some people are more born entrepreneurs than others. Me, I, it was more out of necessity that I became an entrepreneur. But some other people have this desire from a young age. And I think Lizzie fit that bill. Anyway, she found herself in a situation, okay, I'm home. I'm with young children. I don't want to put them in daycare. And I have to find something I'm going to do from home that's going to bring, bring in some bacon. To, to, they're bringing a second salary. That's when she set out. Why don't you tell people about that a little bit? Yeah, so um, I did several different things. I started a um, coastal decor business. So since we're in Prince Edward Island, I had the idea to uh, do some coastal decor, beach decor for people's cottages. So I that's how the that's how I started out. Um, and then I realized, you know, there was a lot of uh, overhead. There's a lot of things that you need to purchase. And people didn't necessarily buy everything that you purchased for them to buy. So basically, you lost a lot of money. Um, and so the, it was just the beginning of learning what is the best type of business to, to be in. And um, we both uh, came across a, a different business uh, that we, we were passionate about, which was the health and wellness niche. And uh, so we started our own online business and the health uh, industry and really enjoyed doing that. And um, we both came across uh, John Maxwell's content. So we um, were really inspired to uh, start leadership trainings. And um, as you move forward, you know, in personal growth, uh, you realize that it's a whole other matrix. It's a whole other thing to, to be, um, we're used to learning spiritual growth in churches, but personal growth is different. and. The two combined so well together. So as we were growing as Christian entrepreneurs together, um, my, uh, Sebastian um, was like, wow, I have to do this training. I have to get certified uh, uh, through the John Maxwell team. And I was listening to the content and I just thought it was really great. So we both got certified and both began our journey with uh, leadership trainings and coaching and, uh, you know, through this whole journey, I had realized that God had been prepping me for a really long time to be a coach. I just was always doing it naturally um, since I was a teenager. And I had never realized that there was actually a profession <laughs> that existed until, you know, I started studying all this content. So um, that's when Thriving on Purpose was born. Um, Sebastian, maybe you can tell them about your background yeah. and why you wanted to start. Well, before I joined the John Maxwell team, um, I, I hadn't gone back to school. I wanted to study to be a translator. And uh, I kind of did it. <laughs> I was motivated on one hand. And on the other hand, I wasn't too sure I, I liked it. Right. Um, and, and so, and, and I worked, I started listening to motivational videos to motivate me in my studies. But I started really liking guys like Les Brown 
and uh, Jim Rohn and mm-hmm. even Tony Robbins. I mean, I started listening to these guys. I was like, whoa, wow, ha! Ah. And then I started <laughs> sharing some of these clips on YouTube with Elizabeth. And uh, anyway, I, I'm just trying to make a long story short because we don't really have like two hours here, but um, before my mom passed away, she said something to me that shook me to my core and made me realize I was not fulfilling my purpose. And uh, it took me about eight months after she passed for me to realize that what my specific purpose for myself, for me, the calling that God had on my life, what it was, it was to be a Bible teacher and speaker and writer. I mean, that's that's the crux of it for me. I mean, that's what I'm supposed to do. And uh, once I found that out, I was on fire. I was basically unstoppable. It hasn't stopped since. And uh, so I that's when I enrolled in the John Maxwell team because I needed uh, more of a certification, I, I guess you would you would say, as a speaker. Because I realized getting started as a speaker wasn't very easy to just say, hey, I'm a speaker. <laughs> People wanted a little bit more. They wanted to know who they're dealing with. But like, are you certified? Are you certified? What can you bring to us? And so the John Maxwell team gave me not only the training I needed, but the confidence as well. And um, not long after I joined the John Maxwell team, like I said, I was on fire, it was crazy. And uh, I got a great idea for a book. Uh, I wrote a book, sat down and started writing. Uh, I had a great idea. The idea was uh, to mesh basically uh, superhero characters, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Captain America, um, and their leadership abilities and their leadership traits and to condense that in a book on leadership. So basically through the book, people get a clear picture of uh, who they lead like by reading how Captain America leads like, how Wonder Woman leads like, how Superman leads like, and on and on and on. And I call the book Lead Like, like a Superhero. It's, it's a, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing a plug here. That's not, that's, not what, that's not my intent. I just wanted to tell you how on fire I was. And so I was highly motivated. And, uh, and, and by the way, Lead Like a Superhero was not the, the, just what I had learned with the John Maxwell team. It was years of reading uh, prior to that that was boiled down and condensed with everything I had acquired through, uh, through all those years because like Liz said, there's a difference between um, personal growth and spiritual growth. I was all about spiritual growth and it works. I mean, there's obviously, obviously some great fruits that come from that. Right. Uh, but when I entered the, spirit, the, the personal growth arena, uh, I realized there was uh, some components that were missing in my life and that kind of bridged it. That kind of like uh, filled in those gaps and it made me, I feel, a more complete person. Anyway, so I was able to boil down uh, much of my leadership knowledge in one book and I made it fun and I was so motivated. I wrote it like, I think it's seven months I, I was writing it. I wrote it and I was going through my studies. I was working full time, had three young kids. Gives you an idea how uh, on fire I was of course it was hard uh, Liz at the time was following her John Maxwell training but uh, oh yeah I forgot <laughs> Liz pointed out to me my, my business guy forgot to tell you guys how I uh, how thriving on purpose came to be so basically throughout all this um, the name thriving on purpose means what it means I mean I believe it, it has two meanings basically it means that once you find your purpose you will thrive but it also means that you're gonna thrive and it won't be an accident. You're not gonna thrive 
by accident. You're going to thrive and it's going to be on purpose. <laughs> so it's like two meetings. So yeah, I found it like thriving on purpose very early on. I founded it before I even joined the John Maxwell team. I had the idea for the, the company and for my speaking organization and training organization. I just needed the credentials and I went to get them with the John Maxwell team with the best, the best training in the world by the best, best trainers in the world. Right. So he started doing some um, leadership trainings uh, here in uh, Prince Edward Island. And then we uh, got inspired us to both start working together. So um, that was a transition. Um, I had been studying a lot about marketing and um, we, you know, we were both working the uh, health niche, but um, we both felt that God was calling us to do more with Thriving Our Purpose. And that's when we were inspired to um, to speak to a Christian audience, to speak to Christian entrepreneurs, because we saw a need. We saw that there was a lot of things that we felt weren't, weren't uh, being discussed in churches because um, it's just, I don't know why. Honestly, they should do more teachings for Christian entrepreneurs, but... Uh, generally, it's more, you know, for relationships and teaching the Bible, and that's yeah, that's all good. They teach us great stuff in churches, don't get us wrong. Right. Uh, but it's mostly about your relationship with God and your walk with God. And, um, and how can I put this? Not enough about the day-to-day -day grind and your calling and building something for God that He gives you as a, as a vision and a, and a, a mission, because we're born... He puts us on this earth, but he's got a purpose for us. He's mm -hmm. got a mission for each and every one of us. And most people just uh, walk right by that. They just miss the whole, what's my purpose thing. And Because they're so set out to just get a job, make some money, you know, have their family, lead them in, God, in God's way, and that's all good. Um, but if God is tugging at your heart and teaching you more, then there's a purpose um, that he wants to use through you to glorify him, then you have to find out what that is. And, you know, we kind of like compart, uh, we put things into compartments and, you know, you have these people that are doing jobs and then you have these other people that feel that they're being called by God to go into ministry. Mm -hmm. And so they get these trainings and they get, you know, these, these teachings about vision, about this and that, because, they're in um, a different mission field. They're doing, you know, they're planting churches. They're going, some are missionaries. They're doing God's work in a different way. But now in today's modern world, there's a lot of Christian entrepreneurs that are trying to do different things. Um, you know, I know some people that are doing all kinds of clever uh, businesses that are glorifying God through all kinds of different things, through t-shirts, through jewelry. Um, you know, some through marketing, marketing, branding for Christian entrepreneurs. There's yeah. so much that you can do out that you can do now today. So we really had uh, it on our heart to start thriving on purpose um, from a Christian entrepreneur perspective to really tackle the topics that uh, we're all interested in. And we need, you know, that um, inspiration when it when things really do get difficult. So we really hope that um you're going to be inspired um, by our our different uh, podcasts, and uh, we'd love to hear from you if uh, you would like to uh, talk to us about your boot camp and how 
your journey has been and uh, where you're going, what your vision is. We'd love to hear your stories as well. Yeah. And like, um, just to go back to the God's boot camp thing. So our boot camp was this. I mean, we basically were, we left our families and uh, we left what we knew. We left the province we knew, the city we knew. And we came to a new province and we wanted to make a new life for us. And uh, the vision we had of it was pink. And, and then we realized, okay, no, uh, we're here to be formed. And to some degree, and a, a pretty big degree, it was to be broken and uh, taught by God and equipped by God to become uh, who, who we're supposed to be. I mean, I never would have taken the venue of becoming a speaker and writer if it weren't for out of necessity. I mean, when I was brought to the island, I was kind of forced into reinventing myself. Right. Uh, and, and it wasn't it wasn't something that that uh, that I was looking for, but it was something I needed, and it was something that God wanted to do through me. And I think that uh, many Christian entrepreneurs, either they're reluctant entrepreneurs or they known they wanted to start a business business since they were ten. I mean, uh, God's gonna have a process for you. Uh, but TV. they're scared of getting out of their comfort zone. Yeah, of yeah. What they've known. TV Jakes often talks about the process, the importance of the process, mm -hmm. and I fully agree with that. That um, the process is just as important as the end goal or the mission that God gave you and the vision that God gave you. Right. Because through the process, and I often say this, I often repeat that in my teachings. Like, well, you're probably going to hear me. As, as this is only the first podcast, but I often say the worker is the work. Mm -hmm. So through the process that God brings you through, he, he chips away all the, the unnecessary stuff, at the, all the junk, all the, he forms you, he molds you, he equips you to become more of what he wants for you to accomplish. So basically he, he, he builds you up, he equips you to not only do a work, but to be a work. Right. So yeah, th so that's God's boot camp. Uh, uh, in, in, that's been basically the crux of it, and um, I know most Christians are probably familiar with that in some way or another. Especially if you're an entrepreneur, you have a different um, perspective, I suppose, or a different um, path that you've been on. So you you probably uh, identify with not only what we said about ourselves, but about the story of Moses or mm -hmm. uh, people who have a certain mission and vision from God and they know exactly where they're supposed to go, but they don't necessarily day by day know how to reach that, how to go. So you really have to trust God and grab his hand every step of the way. And sometimes, like any good parent, God's going to yeah. remove his hand and you're going to have to walk alone for a while, not hearing from him, not knowing, not yeah. feeling his hand. And other times, just going to grab your hand again and you go, okay, he's there, he's there. He's... <laughs> and you know, uh, it's interesting you mentioned that because um, when I was saying our story, I forgot to mention, you know, sometimes there's, there's periods in your life where you feel that you really hear God strongly. And other times you feel like he just kind of abandoned you and you don't really know what's going on. Mm. And uh, when we prayed in Quebec for him to get a job transfer and we knew that you know, he had to do something. We had to, to change our way of life because we just um, were miserable doing the jobs we were doing um, and thought that it would be so much better coming to Prince Edward Island. 
um, when he opened those doors and everything happened quickly, we sold our house, uh, everything was like boom, boom, boom. We end up on the island and um, after that one year and a half when the finances weren't working, um, Sebastian applied to return to Quebec because we thought at that time we made a mistake and we just were questioning God and just like what happened, you know, we thought this was the right thing and then we were doubting mm. what God had told us at first. Yes. And that's a really, really um, <laughs> a no-no. That was, that was our Abraham that was a moment. Big when, when it, you remember in the, the scriptures when Abraham doubted that like God said he was going to have a son and yeah. it just wasn't happening? And he started to <laughs> doubt. And he's like, and his wife started to doubt. They go, uh, go with Hagar, the servant maid, and then she's going to give you a son. And that was like our Abraham moment. We were like, well, okay, maybe we were wrong about this move. Let's just go back to Quebec. And get, long story short, God, the, the doors opened. We sold our house, got the transfer. So, uh, so far it seems like, wow, okay, we're going back to Quebec. So we thought God was opening the doors. No way. He shut them in our face so fast. And I'm still reeling from that. It's like, what, it's been three years now? Four? Yeah, like four years now. <laughs> anyway, long story short, we were on our way to Quebec. We had packed the cars. We were going to go shopping for a house. That's how much we were convinced we were going back. And phone rings were on the highway in New Brunswick. We're by, not halfway there, but maybe a third of the way there. Phone rings. It's Canada Post informing us that they made a terrible mistake that I didn't get the transfer. And um, again, long story short, try to negotiate with them. Say, you know what? It's your mistake. Make it happen anyway. No, they wouldn't because, hey, it's the government, right? The government doesn't go back on that. <laughs> their position but anyway so they that door closed but ultimately it was god closing the door and he was saying i ain't done with you yet come back i didn't bring you to this island for nothing and i still have a purpose and i still have lots of equipping to do and that's when the ironically that's when the equipping really started when that door shut that yeah. major huge gigantic garage door slammed in our face that's when God started really working our entrepreneurial um, endeavors or, or <laughs> I don't know what to call it. But basically, we had no entrepreneurial. I didn't have an entrepreneurial bone in my body. That's when he started doing like Wolverine grafting adamantium into my skeleton. But it was more like entrepreneurism in my skeleton <laughs> so that I would have an entrepreneurial bone in my body. And that's when the process began. In other words, what I'm trying to say is this, and I think it's going to encourage you guys. The door, the doors that God closes in your face are just as important and beneficial to you as the doors that God opens wide. Yeah. Never forget that. Because at that moment when that happened and we had to reestablish ourselves on the island and find a house. And by the way, I was six months pregnant. So uh, that was with our third child, Caitlin. And I was like, we need a place to live. So when we, we actually went without a house for like two weeks, we were living like in a cabin somewhere and we finally found a house again and we reestablished ourselves on the island. That's when it was clear to us, okay, God clearly shut the doors. So, okay, we are here because he wants us to be here. There you go. It was like his way of confirming what we thought, like Sebastian says in our Abraham moment that, you know, he... That we made the wrong mistake he was really clearly showing us no no this is where i want you guys you're staying here 
And we're you're like, still, you're still now in, what? In my will. You're still in my will. Don't worry about it. I didn't bring you here for nothing. Yeah. So, and that's when our prayers changed. Then we started praying prayers like, Lord, show us, you know, open, open our eyes to what it is exactly you want us to do. Yeah. Um, you know, how are you going to use us and show us the way? And, you know, it was, the prayers were just different. And that's when he showed us step by step. And we just had to obey one step at a time. And then he'd show us more obey a step at a time then he shows you more it's kind of like he takes you one step at a time right yeah. so i hope this uh encourages you guys to keep on persevering in your boot camp and- if you're in your boot camp right now and i hope even if you're past your boot camp right even if they're past their boot camp even if it's been two years if it's been 10 years 20 years i hope this encourages you anyway because when you're an entrepreneur right. there's always something you're learning there's always something you're going through mm-hmm. there's always some problems arising and uh, there's these tiny bootcamp moments uh, that show up along the way. And uh, I, I hope this episode of God's Bootcamp encourages you to keep going, no matter where you find yourself on your entrepreneurial journey. Right. And the uh, desire, with the desire to glorify God in your life, but also in your business. And uh, we would love to hear from you guys. If this podcast has encouraged you, let us know. Write to us at info at thrivingonpurpose.com. Uh, no, is that yeah, it? That's yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, info at thrivingonpurpose.com. Write to us. Let us know if this podcast has encouraged you in any way, shape, or form. And we are looking forward to, well, talking with you next week. Same bad place, same bad channel. <laughs> All right, guys. God bless and may you thrive on purpose. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Thriving on Purpose podcast. Be sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com to access the show notes and to discover more fantastic content. Until next time, be blessed and may you thrive on purpose.